Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. We always appreciate the love here, so please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and rate and review to the GM Shuffle. If you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can email us to gmshuffle at gmail.com or individually, M. Lombardi NFL or Adnan S. Verk. This review is great, Mike. You're going to love this one. This is from Obi Dow, who writes on the Apple Podcasts, each episode you guys post, I'm like a teenage girl when Johnny Fontaine comes in the room <laughs> screaming with joy. <laughs> <laughs> I can still see those girls screaming. Oh my God. I, I would have loved to have been at that wedding. Like I've been at a lot of weddings that resent, not to resemble that one, but I mean, they all do the Donadella and you know, all that stuff. But I mean, that was, yeah, that was one of the great scenes of all time. <laughs> I that one. Johnny Fontaine, based on Sinatra, right? Thought the career was based over, needed Sinatra, to get the yeah. part in From Here to Eternity. If I get this part, I'll win an Oscar, which he did. So he has to you can act like a man. You can act like a man. I love when he slaps. You can act like a man. You know, I mean, there's so much you could take from that movie and apply it to daily life. I mean, you know, the best thing was how creative the writing was. So the guy that played Clemenza, who I love, the Clemenza character. Oh, Fat Clemenza's great. Fat Clemenza, right? And Richard, I think, I forget his last name. But anyway, so. Richard Castellano, maybe. Castellano. Yeah, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure. He he was asking for the moon and the stars, right? And so they just said, well, Screw you, you know, we'll just put, and that's where they came up with Frankie Five Angels. And it's, it goes back to this great thing. I think everybody should remember this. This is something to take with us for the rest of our lives. So do you remember MASH? Yeah, sure. Alan Alda. Alan Alda, you know, Colonel Blake, Trapper, all those guys, right? Well, Colonel Blake was played by a man by the name of McLean Stevenson. And MASH had this unbelievable first two years they were on television. I mean, it was truly everybody's house was on MASH, right? It wasn't like today where you can, you know, you're watching 17 different things. And so his contract's up after the second year. And he says to a CBS or whoever owned MASH, he's, you know, he wants a huge deal. And of course, naturally, CBS says, look, we'll pay you fairly, but we're not going to go crazy. This the show's really what it's about. The name on the front's more important than the name on the back, right? Well, of course, naturally, McLean Stevenson thinks, oh, well, look, ABC wants me to do the McLean Stevenson show. So fuck you guys. I don't need this shit. I'm, I'm the star, right? Right. And he goes to ABC, and naturally, he goes, and it lasts, what, eight episodes? I mean, when Millie and I lived in Los Angeles, we would see the billboards around the city, and I would say, that's got three weeks to stay. You know, <laughs> just look at it, you know? Like, you could see it all. Well, so the McLean Stevenson show lasted, like, eight weeks, and it got canceled. And he uttered the greatest line that we should all remember. He said, what I failed to understand was that everybody in America loved Colonel Blake. They didn't love McLean Stevenson. There you go. And, and that dovetails perfectly to our point here. Everybody loves their NFL quarterbacks, but there's always a different flavor of the month. And look at what's happened to Cam Newton. Second straight season, third time in four years since his MVP campaign of 2015. This guy was an MVP a few years ago. His year is done earlier than expected. And it's far less vague. He's dealing with a Liz Frank injury, something that isn't taken lightly. Here's the cap hit, $21.1 million, 
which if you're a franchise quarterback, Mike, in this day and age, you know what? 25 to 30 is kind of the going rate. So maybe you get a bit of a deal. Uh, he's a bargain at 19 million. I mean, these people say, well, they have to get rid of him because he's 19 million on the cap. Are you right. kidding me? He's he, a bargain. I mean, Russell Wilson's 35. Right. Goff right? is over 30. So they can save more than $19 million just by releasing him, but they could trade him and I think still get some value for him. So what do you think happens? You know, I this is a really hard one for me because I'm not sold that Kyle Allen's the next guy. Like, I think Kyle Allen is a good backup. I'm not sure he's the starter. I think you got to change your team a little bit, you know, because right now they're going to kill McCaffrey. I mean, there's no chance McCaffrey can keep this pace. I mean, he's going to be, they're going to, you know, he's got 165 attempts after eight games. I mean, double that. I mean, that's what? I mean, I don't, I'm not an accountant here, but that's 320 carries. How does he do that? <laughs> How does he do that? He can't do that. I mean, you know, Norv, God love him, but when Norv sees something good, he, you know, the, the next back that has the second most carries is Reggie Bohannon with 11. I mean, wouldn't if you were Marty Herney sitting in your office saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense here. I got to get another back in here just to take some of the load off of McCaffrey. He's also got 42 catches. So I guess to answer your question is, like, I don't know where am I with Cam. Like, why would I be in such a rush to get rid of Cam? The one thing I learned from Al Davis, a lot of things I learned from Al, and I make fun of Al all the time, but I think there's a lot to learn from him, is sometimes Al's inability to make a decision really worked out in his favor. He basically, like, when he was wanting to trade Gruden, after we got beaten the tuck, Al knew that Gruden was trying to get a job everywhere, right? You know, every town was Gruden's hometown. You know, I, I grew up in Notre Dame. I, that's my hometown. I grew up in, you know, Ohio. You know, every job that came open, it was John's hometown because his dad literally was a college coach and he coached everywhere. So it was, you know, you could actually say it was his hometown, right? So Al just basically just said, you know what? I'm just going to lay low and let this thing. I'm not going to react to anything. And by being patient, he ended up getting a, a boatload of draft picks, which we all blew, for Gruden to trade him to Tampa. And I think that the patience in this case in Cam Newton is the best thing because if he is the Cam Newton from 2015, you know, from that season where he goes into the playoffs where he's averaging, you know, almost eight yards per attempt, he's got, you know, a 99 quarterback rating, he's never going to be a high completion percentage passer, but he's got to be able to run the ball. He's got to be able to run the football, move it with his legs, and do those things. And based on the quarterbacks out there, like how do you just run him off? Like Who's better than him? Is Kyle Allen really better than him? Now, he's better than him based on what he was last year and the shoulder and all the injuries. There's no doubt about that. But is he really better than him? Especially when you start to look at other quarterbacks who could be available. Like, this is a motley crew of, like, somebody else's refuse. I mean, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, Mitch Trubisky, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, like, Joe Flacco. So, to to your point, Mike, there's, like, 10 other quarterbacks. You don't know where those guys are going to end up. So... If you say to yourself, yeah, okay, Cam is not the MVP he was a few years ago, obviously, but he might be better than what we already have, and he might be the best bet compared to those other guys, and at that cap hit, it's actually kind of reasonable, <laughs> right? It is. I mean, like, why would I run him off? Like, what's my sense to run him off, to replace him with Marcus Mariota? I will tell you this. I think if I could bet, Marcus Mariota will be with the Eagles next year as the backup quarterback. That's my call. Wow. Because they loved him coming out. And he needs to reestablish his career. And the best place to do that is to play behind a guy that you don't have to play, right? Or go somewhere where a quarterback at a team, like say somebody gets the head job at Cleveland who's a quarterback guru, he can back up Baker. 
you know, or something like that. Now, you know, Andy Dalton, I mean, you don't know what Mike Brown's going to do, but if Mike, if Ryan Finley plays good this weekend, which I'm not sure he will, I mean, look, Andy Dalton threw for 250 yards against Baltimore the last time they played him when they got beat 23-17. So, I mean, whatever Finley does, it's and most of those yards were in the fourth quarter on the last drive. It's a 23-10 game, and Dalton leads them down for the basically to cover the spread. We, Eli's not getting a gig next year. Rivers is going to re-sign there. Tannehill's actually playing himself into at least a serviceable quarterback if you have to have one, right? Yeah, I think he might be a starter there. I agree next year with Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, he's better than MVP Mitch. I mean, Tennessee's not going to get better than, than Tannehill. Brady, that conversation really is about. And look, I, I can't. Can you see Brady? You're a historian. Can you see Brady in any other uniform but the Patriots? I mean, when Johnny no Unitas was wearing a Charger uniform or or Joe Namath was in a Ram uniform, or Brett Favre in a Jet. It just didn't. It, you know, like why would you do that to your career? Yeah, and ultimately it comes down to where do I get the best chance to win? You know, Tommy wants to win. The Patriots are a juggernaut. They're going to win. They'll take care of you financially. Like, don't don't go chasing dollars or pride or ego, whatever it is, to go somewhere else just for one year. Like, as soon as I saw that Adam Schefter report, Brady could go elsewhere. I'm like, are you kidding? That's madness. Yeah, but sometimes, like, and this is where Al was really good too. Sometimes Al would say, okay. Adam Schefter's reporting this. I would analyze this. Schefter's reporting this. He's friends with the Patriots. He's friends with Don Yee, the agent for Tom Brady. He could be using his large influence, because he is an influencer, right, Mm -hmm. to send a message to New England that my guy's going to go. And that could be, and he could be getting it directly from Yee. It may not be intentional. It just may be this is the way they're feeling at the moment. But when you got to put the ink to the piece of paper, do you really want to leave New England and leave everything you built and the legacy that you have? I mean, I think this is what happens to coaches that take these. Hank Strams had a hard time getting in the Hall of Fame because everybody remembered New Orleans. Now Brady's going to get in the Hall of Fame, right? Right. So everybody doesn't remember these great players. I mean, Emmett Smith, do you remember him when he played for the Cardinals? No. Oh. It was, was ugly, all, right? He broke the record while with the Cardinals. It was all Pat Summerall with the call. It was awful. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's you, I think you have to go back to, but back to these quarterbacks. Like, where this is going to be an interesting offseason for most general managers because they got to put away their confirmation bias and they've got to enter into a world where they got to do the right thing. Like, does Jason Light in Tampa is he go with Jameis Winston again? Like, does he really think he wants to go down that road? You know, does John Elway making $12 million a year come down with Flacco? Who's he going with? You know, who's Elway going with? I just heard he said he's got all these draft picks next year. Really? Well, then why the hell are you at the goddamn Breeders' Cup on Friday before you play a game? You know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody sent me a picture of him at the Breeders' Cup. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Can you imagine if Belichick was at the Breeders' Cup Friday before a game? Getting a little R&R, put a few bets down, you know? We'll, we'll figure out the game. Yeah, plan yeah, I'm at the Breeders' Cup, and he's smiling. I, I, I should tweet the picture out. I, I don't want to do that much damage to him. But And, like, where are some of these guys going? And I think that that's the real question is, first of all, when, you, when you're in this quarterback business, you got to make sure you got the right coach. Because you can sign a quarterback. I mean, when we signed Vinny Testaverde in, in Cleveland, it was because we felt like we could fix some of the issues he had in Tampa. That was the only reason. And so you knew he had problems, but you had to fix them, right? And I think that some of these guys, Mariota, Dalton, Manning, he's not going to get a job, Rip Rivers, you know, Tannehill, Winston, all these guys have problems. The question really centers on what will happen in Chicago. Will Ryan Pace have a dose of reality? He has to. There, there's no way, Mike. I, 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 even the most ardent Trubisky fan would say he's been a disappointment. 
and to say let's give him a another full year like yeah the reality is he's terrible but if if you were very you know an apologist you'd say well he, he was a pro bowl alternate last year you know he's had a bad year these things happen young quarterback but even then you'd have to go sign another quarterback you can't possibly commit to this guy for another full year next year without having a backup plan and you know how about this there's a, somebody from the chicago i saw i retweeted this that he's upset that in the bears building they're playing shows of you know, ESPN, whatever, NFL Network, and they're all ripping him, and it's upsetting to him. Oh, geez. Upsetting to you? Well, watching you play is upsetting to me. <laughs> like, like watching you play is upsetting to me. Like, show some fucking toughness. Like, stop it, bro. Like, right. what do you want us to do? Say nice things? Oh, you're going to play today, and, you know, we're all going to get stars on our chest, and everything's going to be fine, and, you know, we're just here to compete. We're learning how to play. It's really, you're doing a good job, Mitchell. You're doing a good job, you know? Like, at some point, do you realize that you're paid to play, to win the game? Like, this is what you get paid to do. Could you imagine if Parcells was coaching? Wouldn't you like to have, like, a half-hour sitcom of Parcells coaching Mitchell Trubisky? Would that be, like, the best television you could watch? I remember one of the best Parcells stories I heard was Sean Landetta was getting some work done on his leg, icing on whatever, and Parcells walks by and just kind of gives a look and then walks back and goes, oh, I get it. He goes, what? He goes, you're going to use this as an excuse when you blow it, right? You're going to say, oh, I was hurt. That's why. Like you talk about a guy that didn't care, he would he literally belittle his players, right? You know, and and I think this, I think we all get to a point in life. Like people ask you all the time, Lombardi, aren't you worried about you know being so honest about what you say? I think you get to a point in life where you develop personal freedom, where you develop the ability to where you don't. It's not that you don't care; it's just that you feel secure enough in your own skin to be able to say what you think. And Parcells obviously had personal freedom. I think Belichick, you know, people say, what makes Belichick so successful? Well, the six Super Bowl trophies? No, no, no. I think the the trophies allow him to have personal freedom because then he just says he doesn't really care what he does. I was talking to a coach this week, and they were asking me about Bill and about what he goes through and how he how he blocks off things. And it's just that he has no need to feel the energy from somewhere else. He all gets it from within, his, and his focus is strictly on his own team because he has personal freedom. He doesn't check Twitter 20 times. He doesn't check Instagram. He, you know, he doesn't need that. He doesn't look at his phone. You know, It's like the, if somebody calls, I'll take it. But right now, my focus is on this team. And I think that's where Parcells is. And I think when Mitchell's worried about what's on the air, MVP Mitch, I mean, come on, bro. They just, I mean, points bet, I do a, a little hit for them every week. They just refunded all these poor people's money that made the donation for it because they bet them. That was fantastic. I saw that tweet you said. He wants it to be like state TV, like like be like Russia in the 30s. Here in the Kremlin, we only play positive messages. There can be no criticism of communism. Seriously, like, I mean, at some point, this is what you want for your quarterback? Like, I want somebody who plays quarterback for me who's just pissed off. Like, you got to care enough. And, and, and I mean, this kid doesn't care. I mean, if he doesn't, every day he shows you exactly what you don't think he is. And Nagy is sinking down this slippery slope because Nagy's sitting there crossing plays off his, be you, be you, Matt. You know, be, be, you know what, Matt? You know what would be really good if you were you? Get him the hell out of there. If you put Chase Daniels in against Detroit, you probably win. Now, I think they're going to, we'll talk about this later in the episode, but I think they'll beat Detroit. But the reality of it is, is, you know, you'd have a better chance doing it here's the other part a lot of players coming back this week including nick Foles, kareem hunt possibly aj green aj green the ankle injury Foles, the collarbone both those guys coming back kareem hunt finishing up that eight game suspension for violating the nfl's personal conduct policy first off with Foles, they're saying he's going to be the starter here mike they've paid him a lot of money in the offseason yeah gardner minshew has been nice but Foles is the quarterback does that jive with you 
I think, you know, after last week, and I love Minshew, but I think there's a part of the season that wears on players, especially young players. You know, and and I didn't see him making any throws down the field. But I think this has a compound effect, putting Foles back in there. I think it takes away from Fournette, who I would have traded at the trading deadline, because I think they need a better back than Fournette to do whatever they really want to do. You know, Fournette's a guy you got to feature him 30 times. And in the NFL today, it's hard to give a back 30 carries. And so, but with Foles back in there, maybe they can throw the ball down the field. I think it's going to expose their offensive line. I thought Minshew played really well, but look, they they don't have to do anything with Foles. They could sit tight with them and they could go, because Minshew's so cheap as a six-round contract. I mean, you know, what do they have to do? What do they care, right? I mean, they're in the perfect place you can be. They can say no to whatever they want to say no to. And Kareem Hunt, I mean, listen, what he did was obviously horrific. But in the NFL and life, he tries to listen, give the guy a second chance. But there's going to be a lot of people cheering against Kareem Hunt because of his off-the-field behavior. I mean, they their best player is Nick Chubb. How are they going to get Kareem Hunt the ball? Like, how is Nick Chubb – you're going to take Nick Chubb off the field for Kareem Hunt. I mean, those are two really good backs, obviously, right? But, I mean, Nick Chubb is is really a good player. And now you're going to get a guy who hasn't played in how long, and you're going to put him back on the field with all the problems. I mean, this just goes all into the problems of Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is truly just a collection of talent. I mean, Dorsey has no concern about character. He could give a shit about anything other than just collecting talent. And it's the coach's job to utilize the talent. Like, where's the reps coming from? for me to do like the one thing I think we all have to have I wrote about this for the daily coach today which is Thursday and it it talks about common sense right like you got to have common sense I mean you just can't and people say to you and I'm sure you say to your kids use your common sense right Mm -hmm. but nobody ever goes over what common sense is right nobody ever explains to them what common sense is like nobody gives you five categories of common sense like if I sign Kareem Hunt right that means Nick Chubb goes to the bench does that make me a better team? It makes me a more talented team, but does it make me a better overall team? Like, I think Nick Chubb is really good. Like, I would never take Nick Chubb off the field. Like, why would I do that? Like, why would I take him off the field? Do I give him a rest? Sure. But do I? is Kareem Hunt going to be happy as the alternate just coming in for two or three carries? There's no way. The answer to that question is obviously any player. No, they want to play, they want to get in there. Uh, coming up after the break, likely return of last year's MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Big game against the Titans. Plus... My guy Lombardi, 23-15-1 against his spread this season. We'll tell you which teams will cover the spread after the break. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources all right once again to reiterate seriously this is where you got to listen to the gm shuffle twice a week monday we recap all the action then on thursday we preview the action and specifically mike's trying to make you guys some money out there he's 23 15 and one against the spread but last week he got hosed a few times mike Oh, man, I tell you, you know, it's funny. I spoke at this sports betting conference. I I hosted a panel, and I had this young man come up to me, Isaac, who came up, and he's been, listens to the podcast, which is really, and read the book, which is very flattering. And he's kind of up with his own power ratings, which is tremendous, right? And he listens to the pod on Thursday, and then he's been able to do his own power ratings, what he does, as, as I try to do. And so, and he made a great point to me. He said, I don't pick games, I eliminate games, which is the essence That is truly the essence of scouting. People think scouting is about finding talent. Scouting is about eliminating talent. Betting is about eliminating talent, right? Betting is about like, okay, I'm going to eliminate these games because they just don't seem right. And when you have power rankings and you can look at those power rankings and you can see it, then I think you got a better chance at helping yourself take the emotion out of it. And it's kind of fun. And, and, and you know, he, his power rankings, he's in the circuit contest, which is out in Vegas, which is, I don't know how much it costs to get into it. But then, you know, I think he's in the top four of circuit. And he's done it all based on listening to the shuffle and taking some of the ideas from the book and, and putting them into his own practical terms and coming out with a power ranking of numbers that allow him to pick games. That's awesome, man. Speaking of that formula, Tennessee and KC. So the Titans are four and five. KC six and three. Big news here, of course, is Mahomes is back. Now, he was getting an increased workload in practice. We'll see how he does. He has thrown for almost 2,200 yards this season, 15 touchdowns, a QBR 81. You got LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, Travis Kelsey, your tight end. Do you think that Mahomes, is he coming back too soon or do you think he's ready to go for Andy Reid? I have a feeling it's a little too early. I mean, I watched him run around after the celebration. And I, and I watched him warm up last week, and it didn't look really stable to me. If he plays against this defensive front with that bad offensive line, remember, rule number one, bad offensive lines don't travel. And I'm going to tell you something. The Chiefs are a bad offensive line. You don't lose home games like the Chiefs have because your offensive line is good. And I think Tennessee's a little better up front than they've been. You know, they lose Malcolm Butler to injury to the wrist. They won't have him, but, you know, they'll probably play more zone and force the ball away from Tyreek Hill. I don't know what Minnesota was doing in terms of not doubling Tyreek Hill. I mean, they let him, you know, they had the safety over top, but he really wasn't over top. He was in the middle of the field. I think they want to have that one back. I like Tennessee here because I think Tennessee will control the game. I think Tennessee will run the ball on Kansas City. I think Tennessee can run the ball on. I think they can throw. I think Tannehill can throw the ball. I think this is Tennessee's Super Bowl. I think their backs are against the wall. I think they got a chance to play a defense that's perfect for them. My power rankings have it so that Kansas City's, I think, a three-point favorite. But I think in this game, you're almost getting five points with the Tennessee Titans. And if it'll go up a little bit if Mahomes plays. And my numbers on Kansas City are predicated mostly on the statistical analysis done on on with Mahomes in the game. 
I like Tennessee as the home dog. I think that's a good play. I'm going to go Tennessee here. What's the spread on this one, Mike? You know, let me look here. I, and, I, and I have this program, and people give me shit about it because everybody's an expert when it comes to live odds. But I have this program called uh, Sports Insights that I, that I get, and it gives you the up-to-date odds, and it also tells you about the movement. Right now, Circa is minus 5. The South Point's at 3.5. Westgate's at 5.5. So obviously, I'm going to take 5.5. My man, Brian Peters, you do a wonderful job of, of doing these bets, and you can do mathematics way better than I can. You figure percentages out way better than I do. But I'm going to go five and a half at home. I'm going to take the dog at five and a half. It's right here in front of me. Anybody wants to question, I'll take a screenshot of it. I love it. <laughs> Next up, seriously, this is the game of the weekend. Monday Night Football has got the best division in football. The 7-2 and two Seattle Seahawks against the 8-0 San Francisco 49ers. We're at the midseason point here in the NFL. They are the lone unbeaten team. And some of Garoppolo's numbers are eye-popping. He's completing passes 71% clip. He averages 225 passing yards a game. He's got 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Sounds nice, right? Well, Russell Wilson's the MVP. 68% completion. He averages 278 a game. Mike, he's got 22 touchdowns and one pick. Now, how will he fare against that 49ers defense, which is only giving up under 13 points a game? You know, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, the way this game's going to go, I, I really like Seattle here. I think, you know, Seattle, I'm getting six points. Some places are six and a half, but I'll take six. I mean, Westgate's at six and a half, so I'll take the Westgate number. John Murray, thank you very much. I'll take six and a half. And I'll take this because I think Russell Wilson is going to play really well. I think they'll throw the ball effectively. They'll run it a little bit. I think you saw Arizona have a chance to move the ball. Look, they're due for a, a time where it's not going to be very good. It's fascinating, though, when you look at this. The tickets are coming in on Seattle, and the money's coming in on Seattle. Only 31% of the money on the tickets that have come in so far. There's been 3,100 tickets that have been issued bet on this game. This is worldwide now. This These numbers are worldwide. And 31% of the money is. When you look at, like I just gave you, Kansas City, Tennessee, 83% of the tickets being written up are on the Chiefs. 91% of the money are all on the Chiefs. Everybody's betting the Chiefs. I'm convinced when everybody's betting something, go the opposite way. Go the opposite way because they're not analyzing the game correctly. They're just jumping on. It's confirmation bias that just sticks together. So this game here, I like Seattle. I'll go with the public on this game. I think it's the perfect opportunity for Seattle to come in there. I don't think home field matters. Plus, I think Seattle plays way better on the road. And I think they're going to be a chance where Seattle's front will take advantage of some of what's going on in San Francisco, whether Staley comes back, McClinchy comes back. I'm not sure, but I do think it'll be a shootout. I think the over's in play. I mean, the over's only at 47 right now. John Murray at the Westgate's got it at 47. I think the over's in play in both that, in both that game, too. One guy we haven't talked about much this year, Mike, I just want to mention him because he's having such a strong year, is George Kittle. He's accounted for 26% of the 49ers' targets this season. That's the highest percentage of a team's targets among tight ends. I mean, you talk about a guy who is always featured and always the safety foul for Jimmy G. If the Seahawks can neutralize Kittle, that will go a long way towards a win. Yeah, it will, and I, and I think that they're going to have to play the run. And I mean, this will be a great. I think it'll be a great game, and I think both teams will move the ball effectively. I think there's an idea that the 49 you can't really move the ball in the 49ers. I think you can, and I think Russell Wilson can. Now, I'm worried about the Seattle offensive line in this game because they're beat up, and they're going to have a hard time. But Wilson does magical things when he doesn't have protection. He's almost better when he doesn't have protection because he runs around and he makes unbelievable plays. I'm going to go Seattle here, take the six, figure it'll be a three-point game. San Francisco might win it, but I think it'll be a three-point game. 
All right, good game to look forward to. This game not as exciting. Detroit three four and one against the Chicago Bears at three and five. I mean, the numbers are ugly all over the place. But say this for the Lions. They always have close games. Seven of the Lions' eight games this season have been decided by seven points or less. So that can something to keep in mind. Trubisky, five passing touchdowns in seven starts this season. That is last in football among quarterbacks with five or more starts. But this Lions defense isn't exactly the 85 Bears. Oh, no, this is the best thing they got going for him, AD. I mean, look, this is this is a classic. You want Mitchell to be back to the 2018 Mitchell? This is your opportunity to do it right now. And Vegas is smart. I mean, Vegas made, you know, Detroit's a two-and-a-half-point dog, and a lot of people are jumping on the dog, right? A lot of tickets being written up on Detroit. A 61% of the tickets are on Detroit. 51% of the money's on Chicago. I think this is a good game for Chicago because they'll move the ball effectively. They can run it on Detroit. Detroit gives up over 5.1 yards per carry. They can't stop the pass. They can't cover. This is the perfect – and the, here's what makes Mitchell play better today on Sunday, why I like Chicago in the game and lay the points, is because Mitchell won't feel pressure. He won't feel rushed in this game. Nothing of what Detroit does off defensively allows you to be rushed. They never really challenge the quarterback. They play their zone. They play their man. It's an easy game to decipher. I think Nagy will do a good job in coming up with it. And I think this Bear defense has to show some ability to really make some plays. I think they're going to have to get a fire lit underneath of them. I like the Bears. I mean, if the Bears lose, the season's over, right? And I don't think they're going to want to live life in Chicago that way. I think the home team here, less than a field goal, I'll go Chicago here. Lions have pressured the quarterback on 19% of dropbacks this season. That's the lowest in the NFL. So that means, in theory, Trubisky will have plenty of time to make plays. And the Bears have scored 16 points or fewer in five games this season. They did it three times all of last year. So the offense got to get clicking. As you mentioned, this would be the perfect tonic for them facing this Lions team, which does not have a particularly strong defense. One more game to get into. Let's talk about Minnesota and Dallas this is interesting because now you got two teams here. Minnesota's six and three, Cowboys five and three. You're playing on Sunday night football, and the Eagles seem to figure things out a little bit. They're five and four into their bye week, so Jason Garrett and company know that they can, you know, ill afford to relax at this point. But the Cowboys are one and three versus non NFC East opponents this season. Their only win was against Miami. And now you're playing a team here that should be pretty good. I mean, Dalvin Cook, he leads the NFL in carries and rushing yards this season, 894 so far. But here's the big number I want to throw at you, Mike. Kirk Cousins, 0-4 versus Dak Prescott in head-to-head matchups. Can Kirk Cousins win a big game? Yeah, I think that's going to be the key one right there. And without Adam Thielen, I was leaning towards Minnesota here and then the Adam Thielen thing. But based on my power rankings, I really, really like Dallas. Dallas's ranking for me is good. I mean, I think they're more complete defensively. I think they can move the football. They will move the ball on them. To me, I have Dallas being a five-point favorite in the game. I think Dallas should win this game. I think they have to win this game. They can't give up any anything to the Eagles. Minnesota, to me, is a good team, but again, bad offensive lines travel. I think Michael Bennett's made a, is going to make a huge difference in this game. I think the Dallas defense will play well. I'm going to go Dallas here. I don't like the fact that Thielen's not playing. I think you can double digs, take him out of the game, and then if you can stop the run, which I think Dallas can, whether they get Vandervesh back or not, I always have struggles with my man, the Clapper, but 
but I'm going to go Dallas at home here. I was going to say, the Cowboys fans are fired up. They're like, hey, Lombardi's in the wagon for this team. How about this? I'm on the Mitchell, Trubisky, Jason Garrett wagon this week. If I lose, <laughs> then somebody come shoot me. Somebody just say, like, you know, you're an idiot, Lombardi. You kill nobody more than those two guys, and you bet with them. So, hey, sometimes you got to go with your numbers. See, I'm, I'm, this isn't all just based on what I think. I, I was going to say, you are going by the numbers. Cowboys, by the way, have allowed fewer than 20 points in five games this season. That's tied for the fourth such games in the NFL. So if their defense steps up, you come out looking good. Coming up next, one of the biggest games of the year in college football, Joe Burrow against that Alabama defense. That's right, the Bayou Bengals and the Crimson Tide. We'll break it down. A little college football talk next on the GM Shuffle. All right, time now for the heavyweight matchup when it comes to college football. Been looking forward to this all year. Number one. LSU Tigers. When was the last time LSU was the best team in college football, according to the rankings, taking on number two, the Alabama Crimson Tide? Joe Burrow might be the best pure passer right now in college football, going up against that Alabama defense and potentially the two number one picks when it comes to the NFL draft with Tua Tungavailoa and Joe Burrow head-to-head. All year, Mike, you've been riding the Joe Burrow wagon. Are you calling LSU and Ed Orgeron to beat Nick Saban? I don't think they will. I think this is one of those games where, you know, there's been a lot of tape on LSU. I think Nick's really good at game planning. Now he's got seven freshmen starting, was playing over there on defense. So it's going to have to be a little bit. They're playing at home. I know LSU plays better there. But I think Auburn showed that there's you can take things away from them. And Auburn did a really good job. LSU lost their best pass rusher on defense this week. He's not going to play in the game. I think Alabama, you know, this has been the perfect scenario. LSU gets all this love and hype. And if I'm going to bet and I'm going to lay points in a game, I'm not betting on my man Ed Orgeron. I feel like Ferris Bueller in the restaurant. If I'm going down, it ain't going to be with this guy, right? Like if I'm going down, it ain't going to be. I'm not going to get busted by this maitre d' here at this restaurant. You know, so I'm not getting busted by Ed Orgeron. Look, I think LSU is a nice story. But I think at some point, coaching matters, and I think game adjustments matter. Go Tigers. I'm going to go Alabama. I'll lay the six and a half and go Alabama. Yeah, ultimately, if all things are being equal, you look at the head coach, and a guy like Saban is a mastermind. But, God, could you imagine what kind of a win this would be for LSU if they can finally break through and beat Alabama this year? It's going to be a wild team. All right, Joe, question of the week. So we are at week 10, and let's just say there's been a few teams that have underperformed this season. Which head coaches do you think are feeling the hot seat right now? Well, I think there's a few. Dan Quinn with Atlanta's dead man walking. Freddie Kitchens with Cleveland. Adam Gase with the Jets. Those three right away might come to mind. I, I don't, I mean, I agree with you. They're all, they're feeling the heat. There's no doubt. Adam Gase, I, I, I can't see one and done in New York. I mean, that's a ton of money to pay off him. And then the GM that you just hired is Adam Gase's buddy. So I, that one to me is shocking. I, I could see it. I'm not saying it's not. I mean, the one and done one really should be the, the Cincinnati coach. I mean, like that guy to me, Zach Taylor, there is no semblance that that guy's ready to be a head coaching candidate. That, that's got David Shuler written all over it. I don't know if Mike Brown will admit it. I think Pat Shermer, the New York coach, I mean, I think they could lose to the Jets this week easily. Not because I think the Jets are good, but because I think both teams are no good. And when you play two bad teams go together, you can't predict what's going to happen, right? You know, bad versus bad. So I, I think Shermer, I think the Giants are one of those teams that have to have a intervention in the sense that if they don't win, they got Daniel Jones. And at the end of this year, are they content with going down the Pat Shermer road? Or do they want to try to change course and hire Josh McDaniels, who they really wanted the last time this job opened? Right? They wanted Josh McDaniels because they really want to be 
with the Patriot program. That's what John Mara wants. He really wants he wants to hire Belichick. He obviously can't, but that's what he wants. And I think that that if that happens, they're going to have to do something like what San Francisco did for Kyle Shanahan. They're going to have to give him complete control, give him a six-year contract, and that means Dave Gettleman's going to be out. Because in when Gettleman interviewed Josh, I mean, that, that killed the interview. There's no chance. Because Gettleman has complete control over the personnel, and that was never going to happen. So I think the Giants are one of those that are definitely in play in terms of what happens. And I think as long as Carolina keeps winning, I do think Ron Rivera could easily just say, I'm, I'm done, I'm walking away. I don't think he'll get fired. I think he could walk away. But I do think that I agree with you on Cleveland. I don't think Jimmy Haslam can tolerate a, another bad year. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens gets the job because the fact, oh, well, he's, he's going to be the guy that's going to make Baker sing. Instead, Baker Mayfield's regressed. Well, then Kitchens is out of a job. And for Dan Quinn, you hang your hat on defense. He got the job because of his work as the Seahawks defensive coordinator. That was back in 2015. Only once has the Falcons defense finished in the top 10 and either points or yards allowed. If that's your resume, Mike, then you got to pick it up there. Last year, Falcons defense was 28th in yards, 25th in points allowed. Yeah, and I think here's the question if you're in Atlanta. Are they going to fire the general manager, Thomas Dimitrov? Because when when Quinn came in, he saved Dimitrov. The owner was very clear, you guys could do whatever you want in the front office. And they saved him. And so it's going to be interesting to see if if they decide to clean sweep Atlanta. Now, here's the other issue is you got Rich McKay as the president of the team. So whoever comes in, you know, how much influence does Rich McKay have? And then also Arthur Blank's one of these owners that he's on the phone talking to other people about his team. He doesn't ever really – he listens to a lot of things. And he's very corporate. You know, he's very corporate, Home Depot, that kind of thing. That's another job. They wanted McDaniels two years ago before they hired Quinn. They, they really wanted him, and he pulled out. So – I think that'll be a fascinating thing, what happens down Atlanta. It's really going to come down to what happens in the front office. All right, time to open up the mailbag. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com. Hey, Mike, I have no idea how teams go about building or rebuilding their offensive lines. What do scouts slash coaches look for in alignment, and what's the best way to build a dominant O-line? This is from John in uh, Minnesota. John, the number one thing I look for in offensive alignment is past performance predicts future achievement. Guys that play a lot of games in college football, starters, four-year starters, three-year starters, guys that can play multiple positions, guys that have great balance, guys that are able to have some form of wrestling in their high school background. If you're the state heavyweight wrestling champion of Minnesota and you're playing offensive line, you got my attention right now. You know, you got my attention. I don't care if the scouts think you're a 57. You're going to be able to make it because offensive linemen are more about development than they are just about sheer talent. First round picks, sheer talent. Second, third, fourth round picks, it all comes down to how you can develop the player and his toughness. And they've got to be smart. Here's a Parcellsism. You've got to have offensive linemen that have high intelligence, 20 on the test score or above. Why? Because pain is related to intelligence. When you have a painful elbow or you have a painful a back or your your knees giving you some power, you got to fight through the pain and concentrate. You got to be able to focus on the snap count and block out the pain and it takes intelligence to do that. That's why offensive linemen have to score high. All right, so offensive linemen clearly like you said Kansas City, they've got their issues there in terms of an O-line. That could use some improving as well. Thursday night football, we got the LA Chargers 4 and 5. By the way, I would add Anthony Lynn to that list. If the Chargers went like 6-10, and 10, I think he'd be in trouble, but maybe they've righted the ship. They're 4-5 and five right now, taking on John Gruden's Raiders. Halfway through the season, they're a 500 football team. Who do you like tonight? You know, I love the Chargers here, although I don't love Anthony Lynn. I just think the Chargers, I think the Raiders are atrocious on defense. Uh, you know, I'll do respect to the most powerful man in America. They are atrocious on defense. 
But I, you know, and I think John's done a remarkable job of managing his team around a bad defense. They can't cover anybody. They can't slow anybody down. If the Chargers play from in front, it's over with for the Raiders. I think the Chargers, Phillip Rivers is nine and four up in the black hole, loves to play up there. I think they'll respond. I think they're better on defense. You know, they got, I just saw a report, Delvin James might come back. If that happens, this is a key game for them. They think they can get him back off of this week, then it's going to be there. I think I think it's really the char I think the Chargers will move the ball effectively. This line opened up Raiders favorite and then all the money started shifting into the Chargers and now basically 66% of the tickets there's almost 8,000 tickets being written on this game worldwide. 57% of the money's on the on the Chargers. Wow. And the line right now at the Westgate's one and a half. Wow. The line at the Westgate's one and a half. South Point is one. Remember this, if you're betting shop for the best number Shop for the best number. Westgate, South Point, Caesars, Circa, MGM, all those shop for your best number. A couple of stats here just in favor of the fact that the Raiders' defense is porous. They've allowed 11 passing touchdowns in their last three games. That's good news for Phillip Rivers. And the Raiders have also allowed 20 or more points, 22 of their 24 games since 2018. So the Chargers are going to score. It's a matter of whether or not the Raiders can score as well and keep up with them. You bet. I mean, that'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And the Sixers aren't on tonight, so I don't have to flip. When the Sixers are on, i got to jump. I lose focus, you know, because then I start motherfucking the Sixers and get pissed off when we turn the ball over. <laughs> the world I live in is not good. But it's uh, the common plight of a Sixers fan. Uh, thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Subscribe, rate, review, send in your questions. As always, uh, look us up on Apple Podcasts. And check us out on Instagram as well, the GM Shuffle. Mike's posting there. He's all in on social media, so give us some love. 